Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here and no guests today, but I got guests coming this week. So I just wanted to knock a quick one out and uh, go over some comments because some stuff's going on. Um, Great podcast that we've had in the past with these guys uh, doing their interviews, the Phil, the Kalen, um, Nick, all that stuff has been really, really great feedback. Um, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I got another one coming up this week. Another interview for everybody to do. So I'm trying to reach out. Regina, that interview was really well taken. Um, you guys with the lefty righty. Um, to roll into coming off of the Regina stuff, and I want to answer some of the questions on the app that I, I know are out there. Kind of been remiss just having these kind of, you know, conversation style podcast versions and versus, you know, something that's more direct. But anyway, um, Rifles Only Brawl this week. I'm actually finishing up some stuff, uh, imaging and pictures for the book, so I wasn't going to head down. A uh, few things going on. But I know like KCH had a question. Regine is down there practicing. And one of the questions was kind of what type of event does Jacob put on at Rifles Only? And seeing how he is this weekend, this might be a good time to talk about that. Uh, just coming off of there. Now, Jacob's a very positional um, kind of guy, and, and he'll put rules in place that'll say you can't use this support. It'll either be you or the sling. So there's, uh, you know, sort of support side sling shooting from the kneeling. Um, it, it's deceptive down there because the targets aren't very far and they'll actually appear bigger than they will. But because you're not using support, you got to kind of go in these traditional sitting, kneeling, standing type of positions. It, it becomes a little bit more difficult than you realize. The other thing that people don't take into account down there, the wind is deceptive. Okay, it comes across, it's a little stronger than you think it is. In in like one example, there was like a 375, 350, and it was sort of a smallish target, but it was only like say 350 yards away. And a lot of people were missing because the wind was catching it just right and they weren't holding any wind because it's like, well, I'm shooting a six millimeter. It's a 350 yard target. I don't need it. Yeah, you kind of still do have to look at the wind down there at rifles only because it does have an effect, you know. So um, he's doing the weak side inverted, you know. It's a lot of stuff that you're not really used to. So I saw one of the images um, there that his rooftop simulator, but his rooftop simulator is sideways, okay. So you're not shooting over the roof and out you're actually shooting sideways off of it and he's going to be having you shoot upside down using your bipod in his simulator i found like the sky pod worked really good bipod wise because it, it does that adjustment it gives you a wide stance and especially at some of these weird positions that you're going to shoot on um it's going to be the mouse and the rap trap uh type events um, smaller, right? So bigger guys in some of his things, there's the under the table event that was there where there's sort of like four uh, supports under this table and you got to kind of move from one to the other. Bigger guys have a little bit of problem with that. 
the mousetrap. Bigger guys have a little bit of problem with it. Um, he does do several mover stages, so make sure you get your movers because I know last year was basically if you didn't hit the mover in like the first two shots, you were done. Um, so there was that kind of stuff where it, it, it's 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 like you have to have your stuff in 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 the right spot right off the bat. You know what I mean? So you can't kind of like walk in to hit this target. You got to get on it pretty quick. And because people don't practice movers a lot because they don't have access to them, becomes pretty difficult. But uh, it's a good time. The NRL put on a good event at the Brawl last year. I thought they did an excellent job. Um, and, and, and it's kind of laid back because there's no real order in how you operate. It, it's, it's you're allowed to walk here, walk there, walk anywhere, and, and do a rifles-only type event. And so... Uh, it's no like set squads. You just have to get your 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 you know stages finished in X amount of time, and and that's how it works. But um, hang back, pay a little bit of attention to what's going on. Like Regina mentioned, don't change your game plan for something you've never tried before. Okay, that's going to be a key element to sort of a rifles only thing, where it's it's. It's sort of like old schoolish, but open to interpretation, but without the equipment. So it allows for a lot of creativity using your own body. And you don't want to try something new you've never tried before um, prior to shooting his type of event. Stick with the basics, man. A minimalist tends to work really well at his events. Don't get caught up in your gear. Don't move around. He, he did tighten the stages up. Um, so there's not as much movement as we used to do down at Rifles Only. We used to have a lot of movement. Um, now the stages are a little closer. They're running all at the same time. So you're not seeing as much movement um, as before. But there's still a bunch of climbing, understanding the condition of your gear. And then lastly, that's another big one. Um... You know, mag out when you're changing positions. So kind of get used to where that mag is because when you're moving barricade positions, you could be on, on an obstacle and you're going to go from like a prone to a sitting to a kneeling to a standing. Jacob usually makes you take the mag out in between those positional movements. So have a way to effectively manage your gear. Right, that's going to be a key element is managing your gear and understanding where it is and how to get to it, um, because it will matter on the clock. You know what I mean? Like I said, your mag out, change position, mag back in, shoot your next shots, mag out, change positions, mag back in, shoot your next uh, targets. You know, so there, there's that kind of uh, event. Um, but Regina is down there, Casey, and she took the train up. So you might want to kind of shadow her a little bit and see what she does. She tends to do really well at rifles only. But like I said, don't jump into doing something so outside of what you normally would do. The fact you haven't practiced it will kind of give you that, you know, you'll be behind the curve, man, trying to learn it on the clock. Um, and that's kind of what we were getting at um, when Regina and I were, were, were speaking. Another question right at the top that came up, um, and, and this is kind of timely because I just sent this out uh, 
Somebody had asked about the PRC. Let me get into the app here and, and get to the comments. And I'll go down and go until I kind of don't realize where I'm at. So if I missed you. So Cheeseburger, um, advice on a factory options or custom build of a PRC for long range. Um, the Barrett's 5K, something being put together for less. Okay, so the 300 PRC, I just put one together. Um, it's actually at Gunworks right now, the barreled action, because I had mile high, mile high spin me up based on a Bighorn Origin long action. Now, I could probably go on the computer here if everything's working. Let me try it out. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play around a little bit. Let me go to uh, Bighorn Action Origin I don't know the I don't know the retail on the long action origin. Um but I want to look. So that way I can kind of speak a little bit better on it. So I'm going to pull their website up. But I built it on an origin. Okay, the long action origin and in the in the short action's $800. I know that, okay? So the origin is a bighorn variant of that uh, where is the, let me see if the origin, if I can bring it, if their website, their website's kind of, uh, it's okay, but it's not great. Uh, where's the drop down? Is there any, oh, here we go. Both uh, length long. Here we go. Um, bolt knob. I'll just do a tactical bolt head. I'm going to do a magnum and I'll do a right hand, uh, add to the cart. It's not saying it's actually not showing a different price. Oh, cause it's just showing, a, um, it's just showing a, a deposit for $100. So it doesn't look like, um, let me view the cart and see if I can kind of get the retail. It's not giving me retail. No, it's not giving me the retail, guys. Sorry, I can't help you there. But I'm, I use the Bighorn Origin. And barreled action and putting it all together with that, you should be able to get get away with a barreled action for, let's say you paid full retail for everything, gunsmithing, barreling, all that stuff. And I will tell you, I went a little heavier contour with my uh, 300 PRC build, and I'm putting it in a Gunworks Verdict stock. Okay, so it's sent up to Gunworks right now so they can fit it and put it all together. But I did an origin build, a Gunworks Verdict stock for my 300 PRC. And and that might be a decent option for, for uh, like, Cheeseburger there is asking me about it, um, you know, what it is. I, I'm going to guess it's sub-$1,000 for the action because it's an origin. And, and so, you know, if you get a decent barrel and have it spun up, so let's say it's a thousand, let's say you do the barrel and you do all that, it's 500 for the barrel. You should be able to get a barreled action for 1500 bucks and, and work it that way. That's my guess. Okay. On retail pricing for it. Um, stocks and chassis from that point, I mean, this is the beauty of a barreled action. You can then go in any direction you want to sort of either spend as much money as you have or spend as little money as you don't have. You know, that kind of deal. So it's something to look at uh, with that. Um, I'm going to be doing it. I don't know who's doing factory PRCs. Maybe Savage has one that might be cheaper. Their new Savages seem to be doing really well um, with this big change that they made. Um, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of some positive press coming out since SHOT Show 
with their their sort of precision rifle update, um, you know, in in in, in, in there. But that's that's what I'm giving you. So that's where I went. I went Bighorn Origin Bartland Barrel, and then I went Gunworks Verdict Stock. Okay. And then uh, we got B. James up there. I think that's uh, uh, Bryson from Alaska. Frank, you've taught that competition validates training. Every stage I hear you and Mark telling me to fix my can't. Lately, I have been getting bored with matches on the square range setups here in Alaska. I shot less of them because of it too. One of my takeaways with this episode is there can still be things to be learned, challenges to overcome, and skills to build on. Yeah, it's about repetition, right? The fundamentals. So this is Bryson's making a good point here where either you have a local match, you have a match that's kind of put together on a square range, and it's not 100% of what you're trying to accomplish, right? So you're not a big fan of what the match director's doing, but it's 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 cheap and easy. You can get to it relatively simple. You're spending a night in your own bed. You know, you're there in the morning, you shoot the day, you're home for dinner. That what does that provide you? A lot, actually. Okay? So I want to get into the competition side of things because there is this misconception I'm anti-competition. No, I'm more anti-competitor than I am anti-competition. Like Bryson's saying, competition validates training. Competition can then take your training to another level because you're no longer making the rules yourself. You're now subject to somebody else's idea of how you should be shooting this particular stage. Okay, if, you, if you're doing it for yourself, maybe you're not on a clock, right? Maybe you're kind of like walking them in and not hitting them first round and you're not coming up fresh. You're kind of working into it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna play around with this target. Then I'm going to try it on a barricade. Then I'm going to do it like I'm on a match but without a clock. Okay, so now what is the, what is the, the comp doing? Well, one, it's going to put you on a clock. Two, it's going to validate your wobble zone and know where you are accuracy-wise based on the stage. Can I come up, drop down on command? Now, this is the key. Can you do it on command, which by on command, the timer starts now, go, okay? Can you do it on command versus kind of like easing into it, which is what a lot of people do when they're practicing, all right? So I'm going to come up and I want to look at my times, okay? The clock is a key element. Can I, am I accurate right out of the gate? Boring should mean you're cleaning it. Boring should mean you're missing less than you probably are, okay? That to me would become a boring match. That it's so easy, I'm in the top five, I should be in the top three, and now it's boring. I've... I've Top three, top three, top three, the last three times I went to it. Okay, now you got to try to push yourself to the next level. But if you're not in that top three to five in the last three events you've shot, you got things to learn, okay? You're, you're either not moving in and out of that position well, you're not maximizing the time, or you're not building as stable a position you can under the time, Time management is a key, key element, right? 
So how quickly are you engaging that target, okay? And how quickly are you minimizing that wobble zone? Okay, I can get my first shot off. Um, Nick brought up a great kind of comment. You know, getting shots within that sort of 10-second window. I want to come up, I want to be down, and I want to have this 10-second window. Boom, 10 seconds, I got the shot off. Then, and this is a practice thing you can do. Then I want to transition, and I want to look at how long it takes me to transition from position A to position B, and then give myself 10 seconds to get that shot off. So looking at the transition... How do I safely transition? Like in Jacob's case, you're going to be pulling a mag out and then putting it back in and making sure all of that movement isn't taking you off task, right? Because now we're adding in an element, a mag change. Does that screw your time up where normally, hey, if I go from here to here, it takes me five seconds. And then within another eight seconds, I can take the shot. Well, if the mag out is now making it 15 seconds and then taking the shot is 12 seconds because I've knocked myself out of whack. Well, there's a learning curve right there. There's something to improve on, okay? If I don't take the mag out, I'm five seconds in movement and I'm eight seconds with the shot. If I do take the mag out, I'm 15 seconds of movement and I'm 12 seconds for the shot. So now you need to reduce that because you're three times bigger instead of twice as much, okay? Maybe instead of five seconds, you should be at that eight or 10 second, not 15. And then because you're at 12 seconds, you want to bring it back under 10 seconds. So you have two places to improve on when you're practicing this stuff. And that's going to be a shot timer and a clock is what's going to be that tool to help you practice, okay? That, I mean, think about what Regina was saying. Two elements here. She's shooting a target half the size she knows she's going to need. Okay, smaller target, half that size because she knows when she gets to the full-size target, it's gravy. Then, timing-wise, okay, you got 90 seconds. How do I kind of practice it and in, in understand that 90 seconds? In, in competition, you almost want to shoot it in 89 seconds, you know, 85 seconds. But it might be a skill stage or something where the time is better, so that 60 seconds is better. So if I can clean a stage in practice in 60 seconds, well then, when I'm given a, 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 an obstacle or something to do, if I do it in 75 because I'm using that time to my benefit, it should be gravy. I got a bigger target now and I got more time to work with. Okay, so two elements of practice when things appear to be boring that really aren't. Target size and time on that target and how long it takes you to transition and move. Hope that helps you guys seeing how comp season's starting um, and, and, and we'll get you in. All right, what else we got that? Um, broke joke, could have made it. Yeah, you didn't make it. Um, episode talk 223 talks about a 222. Uh, what the fuck, man? Dude, I don't care what episode number I'm at. Blah, 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 whatever. But I get what you're saying, you know. Um, 
What did Robot Doc say? I ordered a set of the Sniper's Hide tall targets and be threw in the hunting ones. Uh, Box the Bench, yeah, he's going to be doing a lot more. I still got to design some targets for him, but RoboDoc for sure. Hey, RoboDoc, so you know, I actually hired a company yesterday to, to do my e-commerce thing. So the, the tumblers and the patches for the podcast and my classes will be in this little mini e-commerce shopping cart. I actually, precisionrifletraining.net was available. .com was too, but they wanted more money and I wasn't going to pay for it. Um, but I bought rifletraining.net. And for classes and things like that that are kind of outside, like the Iowa class is one of them, doing a class in Iowa, doing the class in uh, Minnesota. So people can pay me for the classes up front and different things. I did a little mini e-commerce uh, shop. In that e-commerce cart, I'm going to put in some swag. So stickers, patches, the tumblers, things like that. Um, but RoboDoc's been asking about it. I am doing it. Rick, good seeing you. You're meeting your wife and everything at the banquet. Um, you're right. Paper don't lie. So um, nice to see everybody in Alaska up there who came to the banquet. Um, to Ken, uh, who, who uh, sung, it was really good. Um, uh, what does this say? Cheeseburger saying, yes, finally I sign on when you're somewhat live. I don't know what that means. Okay, aces and eights. Uh, really excited to hear about the prospect of closer trigger groups on the foundation line. Yep, what Regina was talking about. I mean, guys who are building stuff, this is a key element. That hand and that trigger finger placement we really need to be looking at our stocks and the different things that we're doing in a different way. We should be looking at Olympic rifles and how that adjustability can be built into our chassis and stocks. We don't have to go as hyper adjustable because we, we're a tactical rifle, we're a field rifle, we're things like that, but you still want adjustability where you can where you can get it. And the trigger... And the grip is one of them. We should be looking at that. Uh, Rick, I enjoyed the dinner and the atmosphere. Yep, thanks again, Rick. That was a good time. Um, let's kind of go in here. On episode 219, you lied. You said you were talking about kneeling and you said you were 5'2". I thought you said you were 7 foot tall and a badass motherfucker. Yeah, 7 foot 6 and the meanest motherfucker on the island, dude. Get it right. Um, yeah, so I did lie. I lie all the time. Uh, to me, uh, uh a good lie turns an ordinary walk into a Hobbit trilogy. So just remember that, um, you know, when you're out there, you, you, you can you can basically go out and spin the truth and be like, hey, dude, you know, blah, 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 this is how it goes. Or you could tell a really good tall tale. And man, you got a Hobbit trilogy. Look at how, how good that was, you know, tons of movies and shit like that. All right. Uh, uh, okay, so here's a question I'm going to go back. I think you heard mention you can't mix jacketed bullets and solids in the same barrel. Is that due to fouling, twist rate, or something else? It, it's um, So asking about this goes back to solids because a lot more solids are coming out. Solid copper bullets like the cutting edge in the Warner tools where they're solid copper and they don't have a crazy mix of another element like brass. You can mix those. But if you're shooting a jacketed bullet and then you get something like uh, one of the gold color solids, the brass content ones, right, that that they look, they have a gold tone to them. G9s, I think, are gold. 
Uh, Lehigh's, I think, are gold. Um, there's a couple other ones. You can't mix those. As well, if they do something like a GS Custom where they're coating them or doing something different with it, any composite like that, solids, you don't want to mix those solids and jacketed bullets. Um, solids and jackets don't always mix well depending on the rifle. First, you should always be testing it with a clean, completely cleaned barrel. Then you can kind of work in and see how it works. But if you have any, any dissimilar metal that's part of that solid, don't mix it with a jacket. But if you're using a Warner tool or certain cutting edges, you should be able to mix it without any negativity. But check because there is a following element to it and it does depend on um, what bullet you're using. Um, enjoyed the banquet, and as usual, you all were effing outstanding. Thanks for making it, Beef. Beef um, beef had a good time. Yep, we had a really good time there, Beef, on the banquet. Um, uh, best info on the G1 versus G7 ballistic profile. Yeah, that was a pretty good uh, conversation, the G1 versus G7. Don't get wrapped up in the hype, man. Understand they're selling you something in part of that, all right? It does not matter. Please stop saying it does. It doesn't matter unless the software developer writes it to matter. Okay, you're doing the same amount of work. Um, literally. Uh, see you on Tennessee in October. Episode got me boosted for it. Yep, uh, Tennessee in October. Hey, Mark, uh, just wanted to let you know Days in Tennessee is like the savage of hotels. It totally is. I, if they didn't redo the rooms, I would bitch more, but it was clean in the rooms because they, they gutted them and redid them. New tile, new bathrooms, you know, all new stuff in there. But he, he Mark makes a point. Being able to pull your vehicle up directly to the door, there's a security factor there that you don't find when your car is out in parking lots. Guys who go to competitions and go to training where they, they leave their stuff out in cars and out in parking lots – almost always get them broken into, you know? So you, you, you want that security of knowing where everything is in, in with your vehicles uh, like that. Um, what do we got? Two block here. Oh, he's got a big old one. Excellent banquet, great folks, food, entertainment setting. Enjoyed myself at the freak table. Yeah, we were at the freaks, man. Hell yeah, Mark as an MC, shot caller. He's a element rallying shooters. Um, I like diamonds, four points, center aim. He's all talking all over the place. Aces and eights. Um, so tired of guys sending half a box of rounds at a target and thinking they accomplished something by getting a hit afterwards. This past weekend, I had my monthly 22 match. Had a guy who always says, well, if I had a $2,000 rifle, I could hit in one shot too. Really? So why did it take... Use 17 rounds to hit a 227-yard target with your rifle. The same rifle I used and got a hit in three. Yeah, man, this is this is becoming something more and more. I mean, I've always seen it. We've tried to bring it up a lot. And it's those guys walking in on targets. And we all do it. We all walk in on a target, right? You know, miss, hit, you miss, 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 and then... Yeah, it's spooky, man. It's like you you lose your concept of how much you actually just shot. We should be taking 
in sitting back with our training and giving ourselves no more than three shots. All right. If you want to do five, that's fine. But let's kind of look at like this three shot mantra, no more than three shots at any one target. Okay. If you haven't hit it in three, you need to reset, go back and figure out what's messing you up. Going to be one of two things, right? Well, actually three, WTF. You either miss because of the wind, you miss because the target range in your dope was wrong, or you miss because you screwed up the fundamentals of marksmanship, right? WTF. Wind, that's our number one consideration because it's the wildcat. The target or trajectory, the range, right? What's the target we're shooting? Shooting a 500-yard target. That's my dope. And then the fundamentals of marksmanship, dude, that's what's going to get you. And those fundamentals should be translating regardless of the position you're in, right? We want to translate from our prone to sitting, kneeling, standing. We're across the course, guys. We should be executing those fundamentals the same from all positions. So WTF, why are you missing? Well, I'm missing because of the wind. Okay, well, let's take a look at that wind. We've given you the sort of entry-level model. Figure out what mile-per-hour gun you have. Determine what the full-value wind is for that target and put that on and make that your first thing. If you miss because of the wind, correct on that first shot. Your fundamentals should dictate your position behind the rifle, should let you see, she should let you see what happened, allowing you to then read it in the reticle, your calibrated ruler, and follow up, okay? You have a calibrated ruler three inches in front of your nose. You're going to put that ruler across the target, centering and quartering that target. You're going to shoot. You're going to hold your position and not move, right? We don't have to race to the bolt until we see what the bullet did downrange. Then we're going to run the bolt and fix it. That should be the, right? So we line up. We basically say, okay, first thing, the target's 500 yards, wind. My wind is doing this. 500 yard with this mile per hour wind. I have this mile per hour gun. Okay, so let's give it a one mil hold. Let's say we got a a five mile an hour gun. We got a 10 mile an hour wind. That's a one mil hold at a 500 yard target. Okay, regardless of what we think. Now, if it's quartering a little less, a little that, You could back it off, but then what you want to look at is how wide is that target? Well, if the target's a half mil wide, and I'm not quite sure that one mil hold is good, maybe I hold 0.8. Still should get me the target, right? So I should have a 0.3 fudge there. Then if I'm off the wrong side, well, it's stronger than I think. If it's off the the amateur side, I got to add more wind. If it's off on the pro side, I'm holding too much wind. Fix it, follow up. You shouldn't be dumping rounds at a target, especially 17 of them. That's a no-go, man. Again, here's my charge to you. No more than three to five shots at any one target. If you haven't hit it in three reassess and move on if you want to come back to it after that's fine but reassess and move on and don't just shoot again shoot again shoot i i get it man it's 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 like a drug right it's like give me more give me more give me more gotta have it oh i was so close i was right there man it was so close and then i messed it up 
I'm like, oh, man, it was so, oh, another shot, and I'll hit it. Nope, try again. Oh, one more, wait a minute, one more. Nope, try it again. And and you're like right on the edge, right on the edge, right? Three to five, dude. Push yourself for that three to five when it comes to uh, shooting these targets. All right, enough on that. Back to KCH. Okay, so Casey, I answered you about Jacob's match. Hopefully that helps, man. It's it's really about building those positions minim- in a minimal way uh, with Jacob. Um, let's see. What's the word on the trigger tech? I don't know anything about the trigger tech, dude. I know everybody's like chomping at the bit for the two-stage trigger tech. I kind of stop paying attention when it shows up. It'll show up. Uh, but there you go. Free comment. Hey, thanks for the free comment, dude. I dig that. Uh, was Frank talking about Terminus or Curtis getting bailed out? Uh, not the first one. <laughs> you know, dude, when you owe that much money, you got to get bailed out. Uh, I talked to the Terminus guy in, in that. <laughs> the funny, I didn't realize this. This is hysterical, man. I guess the Curtis dude is a sleight of hand mu- magician. I can't want to say musician, but it's magician. Like kids parties, man. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Sleight of hand magician. That that cracks me up every time I hear it. Uh, loving the podcast. On occasion, Frank mentions the benefit of laser range finder binos for the field matches, like competition dynamics. I would like to add considering field of view when specking binos. That's just as important as magnification, especially when targets can be close. State by 42, high quality glass, like the Geofits has no problem. Yeah, I don't see any issues with the eight buys, with the um, Shirovskis, the Leicas, and the Zeisses. They tend to work well. Um, I'm using the, the Zeiss Victories, um, you know, the, the RFs, 42s. So uh, I, I, I had no problem with them. I like the Zeiss. Uh, can't hardly wait for the Colorado Tripod Company, G1 versus G7. I've talked to Blue in the face. Yeah. The Colorado Tripod, they put a Rocky Mountain Tripods or something. If you go, there's there's a, a photograph. They, like I said, they're just finalizing that sort of stem and the change on the Colorado Tripod. Um, you know, it's not, it's it's in pre-order mode right now. The website's up. Um, the Hide Tripod... Uh, I, what is this? Oh, Mike just texted me. I may have. Oh, uh, class. Mike overbooked our May class. Yeah, that's fine, man. We could do we could do a few extra people. May class at mile high is full. Overbooked, actually. No big deal, man. No, no, no drama there. But anyway, the um the Colorado tripod he has the hydetripod.com. Um, that's sort of our affiliate link. Um, for that, so uh, it, you could take a look at it, see what it's like. It's gonna save you money. It's gonna be based right around the Leah photo price. And what we're trying to do is get rid of these friggin' Chinese knockoffs, right? I, like I said last year, the number one tripod at the Sniper's Hide match was the Leah photo. Okay, not a fan. You, know, I understand people can't afford really right stuff and don't want to do the $1,500 all the time. This one's going to be, you know, a, a certain amount cheaper. But really right stuff has some other ones coming out that will be cheaper as well. Um, I'd much rather see you guys with, with, with these other people than the Chinese knockoffs. It's not doing us any favors. What it was was people saw an opportunity because you can OEM and get these things so cheap. Um it, it, it's not a big deal. 
uh, as far as that, but it, it's not right. Uh, let me, I'm going to text, no big deal. There we go. Text Mike, no big deal. Anyway, so um, that's all. It's just, you know, looking at really right stuff, looking at the uh, Colorado tripod when that comes. We just, we're just trying to not get guys going to these knockoffs. And, and they weigh a hell of a lot more, too. I mean, not that it's that big of a deal, but uh, we'll talk about tripods later. Anyway, all righty, let's see what else we got going on here. Frank, um, you can count me in the Iowa class. Gotcha. Frank, I've shot in a couple local NRL 22 matches. Was the best dentist to true my Kestrel? Is it even worth it? Uh, just try to shoot and write. I would write the dope. I would do the 50-yard zero. You want the 100-yard drop. And then for these 22 matches, if you have access to 200 yards, um, there, there is a lot that, like, uh, one of the guys on the high just did the Mark's weaponized math for 22s. I would dope my 22. Okay, there, there's the other BC factor you can use with software. You can true them up. Don't get me wrong. You'll probably have to switch the BC um, to the 22 BC stuff and, and not use the regular G1, G7 type of thing. They have the R. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, R or something. Um, I think it's just R, isn't it? R? Anyway, uh, I'd have to look. But any Because if I remember it, I'll forget something important. But anyway, most are going with a 50-yard zero. And then go into the 100 yards. But I would dope it about every 10 yards I would almost look at from sort of 20. Go, you know, go 20 yards, even 10, to be honest with you. Do a 10-yard out to 100. And, and so think about how we dope our rifle, right? We dope If you doped every 100 yards to 1,000, you're 22. You're going to dope every 100 yards basically or every 10 yards kind of deal with your 22. I'd write it down, and then if you can go in and true it with the software, then go ahead. But you're you're gonna you're, you're gonna be shooting local matches. It should not change as much, right? You're you're going to the same place every time, same place every time. So maybe you have a, you know, four different dopes. You have a winter, a spring, a summer, and a fall, and and just look at the big swings that you might have, and and then figure out where that swing goes. But um. Yeah, I, you, you just see different people playing games with the 22s to get them lined up, and, and usually they're switching to the to the other BC uh, for them. And, all right, that should answer that. And then where else we going here? Happy that there's some more development. Yeah, there's some stuff going on with the Valkyries. I still think the Valkyries viable, man. I, I, I'm still a fan of it. I'm still going to shoot more of it. So the Valkyrie was there. I thought you meant the shop. Everyday Sniper, they were right behind. Oh, he's talking about uh, Badger and Mac Bros. Uh, they were right behind Long Rifle. Uh, yep, that was just talking about SHOT Show. The same problem might be the app. The same problem. What was he talking about? Anyone have trouble? episode? Oh, something with the app. Yeah, I guess there was an episode that didn't um wasn't playing really well. Once I load stuff to the app, once I get things kind of thrown in the queue, I have no control over the apps, guys. Um sometimes it's it's not that big a deal to uninstall it, reinstall it, and, and just to double check it. Um the, the apps, you know how it is. Uh Apple updates their phone, then Podbean's gotta update the app. Android updates their thing, and then they gotta update the app. It, it all plays like that. 
but you you guys understand, you know, that we don't have control over what's going on. Um uh you know, so no big deal. Anyway, that's where I'm going to do that now. We're right on 40 minute mark and and I I knocked out some of this stuff. I really appreciate you guys commenting. We're we're super close to that 1 million mark. Um, so we should be hitting the million downloads really, really, really soon. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for sharing. Continue to comment. The comments really got us on the board last year, and that's all you guys commenting back and using the app to comment. Uh, again, I can go through like this and read some of the, you know, the, 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 the skylined comments, the big ones, the thanks, the hey, the yo, the mo, we, that's cool. Those help. But, you know, they're not not a whole lot to respond to those about. But um, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, a lot of stuff happening, just snipers hide-wise, for the new year. Again, the e-commerce will be coming. Um, spoke about that. That got signed this week. I'm working on redoing, and it's in it's in the queue. It's actually being worked on. I've approved the, the, the wireframe. The front page of snipers hide is getting worked on big time. Okay. Um, I'm I'm doing a complete makeover to the front side of it. It's going to have a unified sign in, so you can sign in either in the forum and we'll carry over to the homepage. I'm gonna try to start doing more articles and things for the that part of it, so it's moving a little quicker. We got some stuff happening with videos and and and, and stuff like that for this year. There's a lot going on on the hide, man. We're busier than ever. The conversation's stronger than than I I remember it in recent years. Yeah, they're talking the beer pit, dude. If you want to talk about the politics and where we are today with that, they're in the beer pit talking about it every day, and it's actually pretty busy. Um, you know, we used to have a no politics, no religion rule on Sniper's Hide. It's kind of we we don't like the religion side of it at all. I don't want you really talking about that. But the politics, you can't get around. It affects us every day. You know, like Virginia just shot down the ban, you know, but they're going to try again. And, and this affects our livelihoods. This affects our hobby. This affects us on a, you know, for me, a daily basis. For some of you on a weekly or monthly basis, there is a cause and effect going on there. So we want to talk about that. And so if you're if you're politically active, there's stuff going on in the in the bear pit at the hide. And we kind of want to keep it there. You know, the bear pit is the bear pit. You know, if you don't know what a bear pit is, uh, Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood, the hole where they fight, that's a bear pit. Um, you know, where, where they have one one platoon against the other. We used to have bear pits when when I was in the Marine Corps. We used to have to go in the woods and hide and do it. Um, but, you, you, you know, you and you get in the pit. You guys in the pit. Um, so that's how that worked. Every Friday, we used to run, company or battalion run. We go down this trail, cut off to the side where nobody can see us, right on main side, Lejeune. And then there was a bear pit dug there, and we'd use it. Cool. But anyway, that's where the religion, or not the religion, the um, politics is. The rest of the other sections, we're seeing a lot of really good responses, a lot of good comments. We we don't suffer fools like some other places where we'll let guys string you along where people can write stupid shit like you see on Facebook. We'll shut that down pretty damn quick. Like I've had some guy thrown, come on and he was making these big elaborate posts that were just wrong. 
and was like, you know, he thought himself an authority and everything. And, and it was like, dude, that dad is wrong. I killed him. Get rid of him. Dude, you're out. Go. I don't even want you on here because you're just saying dumb fucking, you know, old wives tales stuff. And rather than kind of, you know, deal with that, it's just like delete, ban. We don't need you. You know, so it's it's much higher levels of conversations going on because of that, which is good, man. It, it, it helps raise everybody. Questions are getting answered quickly. And then once we bring in this um, kind of front page to the other side, it should work out really well for everybody. All right. Hey, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. Uh, Good to see Ryan Newman for the NASCAR guys that are out there. You, the little wreck fest near the end. Newman's up and walking around. He looks fine, man. He looks like he's in good shape. Um, so the safety work you guys do is fantastic. The way you build those cars is insane. Um, if you saw the you know the the uh, rain day of the Daytona 500, Ryan Newman flipped, got hit by Corey LaJoy. You know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Corey LaJoy, I used to watch his grandfather, Don LaJoy, in Connecticut at Danbury Fairgrounds. He was used to drive a Gremlin 711. So Corey LaJoy is the grandson who actually knocked Ryan Newman into the air. Ryan Newman did a couple flips, slid on his roof. It was like, ugh. It was looking bad for a while. They brought the black sheet out and everything. It was like, God damn. But, man, they build such a hell of a car that the guy's actually up walking around right now and, and doesn't look much worse for wear. I mean, maybe he's got a concussion and something. I'm sure they got to monitor him. But it was good to see that it was he, he's 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 walking away from that thing after the fact, you know. So uh, for all the NASCAR guys, good on you. Glad that was kind of a hold your breath moment. And, and you know, so we dig what you do, and, and we don't want to see a black cloud or anything like that appear over the, the, the race season, especially for the first dang race, right? It's like, oh, boy. I, I, I don't know. You think they're going to either slow the cars down? I think that 198, 200, they got to kind of keep it around 190, probably keep them from getting off the ground as much. But um, they need to knock, I'd say, 10 miles an hour off the, off the speed in order to um, keep those cars down on the ground a little bit at Daytona and probably Talladega too, but who knows. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. I'm out of here. Uh, we got another interview coming up this weekend, so you get ready for that. Later.